Today's thoughts start to explore mental health and how we are dealing with spending so much time with ourselves in quarantine. This podcast is a rough around the edges attempt at exploring my mind in hopes that it might inspire you to explore yours. My name is Fontaine and this is Fox in Thought. Perhaps one of the most interesting parts of the COVID experience is our new relationships with ourselves and our own minds. And in some ways, I wonder if COVID is really one big mirror being held up to the entirety of humanity. And we have to ask ourselves, what really matters? And what exactly do I value? Now, I think that one of the most challenging parts of life is our relationship with ourselves. And I actually think it's always been this way. But something about self-isolation and quarantining makes it feel like the music has stopped in a game of musical chairs. And certainly we can continue to distract ourselves with the news or with social media, or we can stop and take a good hard look at ourselves. How much value we see in who we are, or how much potential I believe I have, how proud I am of what I've done, Even how much we seek love and affection is a reflection of what we think about ourselves. Now, one of the things I love most when getting to know other people is trying to pick up on what does a person think about themselves. Now, one of the best ways I like to observe this is to look at how they craft their social media presence. Instagram is an obvious one. And when I look at that, it's not, I don't see who they are but rather it's the story that that person is choosing to tell about themselves, which in turn tells me a lot about them. So if somebody has mostly selfies, they're probably self-obsessed. Or if it's mostly landscapes, they are connecting with the places that they're in. If it's zoomed in detailed shots, perhaps those people appreciate the nuance in life. And if there are other people in the images, you can learn basically who they really care about, or rather, who they want to be seen to be associated with. And of course, the captions. Are they self-deprecating, playful, grateful, boring, curious? And that's the conscious story that they're telling about themselves, the one that they carefully curate. But what about the more subtle ones? When you ask someone what they did this weekend, what exactly are they drawing attention to? Getting drunk, making food, maybe they met up with a friend, exercise. I even try to pick up on, do I think they're genuinely responding in that moment? Or are they rehearsing some pre-scripted thing? Every once in a while, I think I hear or I'll pick up on what I think to be a truly authentic exposure of what a person thinks about themselves. And you'll hear it in terms like, I ought to start running, or I can't start a job right now. That ought or that can't tells a lot about how that person thinks about themselves. Now, a timeless theme of spirituality has always been an individual's relationship with themselves. We so often think that we're not good enough and that, and because of that, our insecurities are armored in beautifully curated outer shells. Some of the most competent, connected, and powerful people are often the most insecure. 
And so in this unprecedented moment of social distance and self-isolation, we're coming face to face with ourselves in the mirror and it's mind-bendingly painful for some of, some of us. Yet we're trapped here and we must ultimately learn how to put up with ourselves. It's no surprise to me that the self-care movement has skyrocketed in the last few years. Since our pocket toys, our phones, are able to so easily distract us from the mundane patterns of our lives, we rarely have to look back at ourselves. And even when we do, technology actually usually beautifies us, like the pretty filter on Snapchat, or those intentional accidental shots that we use for dating sites. Even the phone camera's default setting is programmed to make us look naturally more beautiful. If you actually notice next time on the pixel, when you're taking a picture, you snap the picture and it'll take a, a, a second to actually process it before it saves it. That's actually beautifying your face. And if our own minds weren't already loud enough, everything around us, including our phones, which might be our most intimate relationship, is telling us that we are not good enough. So when we do look at ourselves without that filter, we're often seeing characteristics we are not crazy about. And developing comfort and gratitude for that can be a lot of hard work. Now, I've been interested in minds for about three years now, and I truly think that they are the most interesting part of the human experience. In fact, I don't understand why everybody isn't as enthused about minds as I am. Our minds are the root of all of our behavior. So if we have healthy minds, we're better equipped to tackle any problems that come our way. And I actually think that if other people have healthy minds, that they're more likely to behave in a kind and compassionate way towards me. So I'm actually deeply invested and interested in other people's mental health. Now talking about mental health at a tech company often, often elicits a bit of an eye roll. It's uncomfortable, I get it, but that's kind of the point. Now, when it comes to mental health, I often see two factors. First, understanding ourselves, and then understanding how to interact with others. Understanding ourselves is infinite and unpleasant and complex. And maybe at some point I can go deeper into what that means for me, Fontaine. And then we come to that second vector, understanding how to interact with others. And when we start to think about this, there's some people who, other people who are almost like an extension of ourselves. So most obvious one is partners. And I wonder how those couples who are gonna be trapped inside for weeks are actually gonna fare through this experience. Some of them are gonna be growing closer. Some of them might actually implode. And I'm curious to hear what kind of things folks do to navigate that sort of intimacy with people who are effectively an extension of ourselves. Now, I don't live with a partner, but I do live with several housemates, and the last few weeks has been an interesting adjustment into caring for one another. We've been cooking for each other more, my housemate taught a boxing class for us, another one's going to host a dance party later this week. The house is cleaner than it's ever been. And I wonder if we're actually learning how to love ourselves by loving those closest to us. So in serving others, we are loving ourselves more. Is it morbid that I'm actually enjoying part of the impacts of the coronavirus? I'm loving watching how everyone responds differently, finding ways to care for one another. 
my favorite author, Rebecca Solnit, actually wrote a beautiful book a while ago in the wake of the Hurricane Katrina disaster. Uh, and it was entitled A Paradise Built in Hell, The Extraordinary Communities That Arise Out of Disaster. Now, I see that unfolding all around me, and I find more beauty in that than I do in a stable society, since only through tension and discomfort do we actually find meaning. And expanding beyond the home, our friends are connecting better than we ever have before. I've taken a dozen online workout classes, and a friend actually taught me how to make bread over Zoom this weekend. Through all of this, I wonder if the meme makers aren't the real heroes. The sheer comic relief that they're providing to the entire planet is among the most beautiful right now. Each laugh they elicit is a drop of hope in the dark. What are you doing to stay sane?